Happy Monday, everyone, and welcome back to Unbothered. Josh here today. A lot to get into. Tonight's Monday night football matchup in Mexico City. Last international game of the year. Divisional game in the NFC West. San Francisco 49ers, Arizona Cardinals. I break that down, what to expect, who to win. Then, I got back on track this weekend. Yesterday, I was 10-2 and two on my Sunday picks. Felt good. I break down some of the big games. Chargers-Chiefs, what an epic game that was. The Dallas just onslaught of Minnesota. A Detroit upset and some other things from Week 11. Then... I also recap something in college football. You know, interestingly, I had my best picks for NFL Week 11, and then I had my worst college football picks of the week, so I break down what happened there. And then I'll wrap up talking about Kyrie's return and the Grizzlies, or the Nets win against the Grizzlies. But let's go ahead and get started with the 49ers-Cardinals Monday night football game. Right off the bat, I'm picking the Niners. There's two big, glaring reasons why I'm doing that. One, I think according to Seeky, her vivid, vivid seats, uh, 82% of the fans there tonight are expected to be 49er fans. It's going to be a massive turnout there for San Francisco, even though it is a designated home game for Arizona. I think the league should have flipped that one because there are much more Niners fans out there than there are Cardinal fans. So that's a big reason. Second reason is Kyler Murray is out tonight against the Niners. And it's been reported that he might also miss next week as well and then come back after the bye week due to his hamstring injury. So that is a big loss since Colt McCoy is expected uh, to start. Now the question is here, is Kyler Murray injury prone? Uh, Is that kind of going to be his tag now? Uh, With that is the injuries that he sort of, uh, you know, gets now mid to end of the year. We saw this last year with Kyler Murray around the same point in the season. Uh, seven and oh, seven and one, injures his ankle, misses a few games, comes back, and is not the same. Uh, the year before that, they started really good, six and three, some injuries come up, he suffers an injury, they can't go the last game of the season, which would, you know, put them in the playoffs. So, this is a track record that we see with Kyler Murray. Is that he's an, Injury-prone quarterback. Uh, in college, we didn't see that. It's much shorter. He was able to play, you know, about 12, 13 games with the Heisman and all that. We get that. But in the NFL, where the competition is a bit stiffer than college, especially uh, the Big 12, uh, you take the hits. We've been in a good division. Uh, he has a tendency now to get nicked up with his style of play. And it's not like he's running a ton compared to the past few years. Uh, I don't think he's fragile, but he might be a little frail. Uh, I don't know if I can bank on Kyler Murray's health 
for a whole season. And that's another part of the trepidation why I was against the Cardinals giving him that max crazy deal that they gave Kyler Murray. I don't, I don't think he was deserving of that. Uh, with, you know, his record and what he's accomplished and the injury history, I was not on board. So, again, this is just indictment on that bit. You know, Arizona now has to go with Colt McCoy for a few games. Went with him last week. We'll have to go with him this week. More than likely, it'll be next week as well that the Cardinals will have to rely on a backup quarterback to keep them afloat. Uh, so, yes, I think Kyler Murray does have an injury history. I do think it is concerning. I think it's smart that he's not suiting up tonight because, as I've been saying throughout majority of the year, most of the year, that the 49ers possess the best defense in the NFL. So it's going to be a very stiff test for Kyler Murray, or for the Cardinals tonight without Kyler Murray, Colt McCoy starting, and I've got the 49ers winning this one, coming off a big Sunday night win against the Chargers. Now you're back against the Cardinals. Divisional game. This is also a big game for the Niners because if they win this one, they move to first place in the division. They have that tie break over Seattle with the earlier head-to-head. So 49ers win this game. They are first in the NFC West. Uh which, again, is not as strong as it has been in years past. But that is something else to play for there as well. Uh, There's still no word on if, you know, who's exactly uh, going to play. With the injury reports, it's is Colt McCoy going to be able uh, to step up there with uh, DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, That's going to be a big... Issue there, Marquise Brown still on injured reserve, uh, won't play tonight. So uh, they're very shorthanded. Uh, the 49ers are dealing, you know, with some injuries as well. But I think they're better suited. You know, I really like uh, Kyle Shanahan as well. Uh, his coaching style, you know, Christian McCaffrey there, the way they run the football, Arizona does not have a good defense. Uh, so with that being said, their poor defense, uh, how thin they are that, you know, I just don't see uh, – the Cardinals do that well, especially, you know, they allow, you know, 70% of passes to be complete. That's not something that leads to success either. You look at the total defense uh, that they have in terms of yards allowed. uh, It's near the bottom 10 of the NFL. Again, not great. They allow 26 points per game. That is near the bottom there. Uh, So this Cardinals defense leaves a lot to be desired. They're going up against a good offense operated by Kyle Shanahan and Jimmy G that can run the football well with Elijah Mitchell, Christian McCaffrey, 
It can throw on you with Debo Samuel, George Kittle. Ayuk is emerging. So I think there's just too much there for the Cardinals to overcome. I like the 49ers to win this game. It's a 10-point spread, and that's where I about like this game. I think that's the highest the 49ers could win. I still think it's a divisional game. Anything can happen. Uh, I think the range there for the 49ers when it's 8-10, to 10, but it definitely feels like a comfortable, convincing win. Nothing uh, too tight, you know, like, wow, that was really close until the end there. I see the 49ers really controlling time of possession, controlling this game, and, and ultimately winning uh, this game here tonight in Mexico City to finish up Week 11. Now let's go to the Week 11 recap. What happened yesterday in the NFL? Got two picks wrong yesterday. I'm going to start with one of them. That was the big Sunday night game, the Los Angeles Chargers and the Kansas City Chiefs. I thought, hey, Justin Herbert and the Chiefs play Kansas City really well. So when Kansas City had the seven, I think seven and a half point spread, I was like, uh, this is pretty wonky here. These games are always tight. And of course it was. Of course, Kansas City won by three points, game-winning touchdown with like 30 seconds left. It only made sense. And there's a couple points I want to make about this game. Uh, I'll start with the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes uh, in that team. But Kansas City is about as resilient as it gets. Last week I talked on my podcast on how, you know, third and five, you know, with Lamar Jackson, how sometimes I feel like that's just automatic because he can take off running and get that first down. It's like, you know, the Ravens' third and five is like most teams' third and two, third and three. And that's kind of how I feel with Kansas City. It's like their third and seven is like most teams' third and three. A third and long for them is like most teams' third and short. And a perfect example of that is it's, you know, I think there's a crackback block second quarter on Kadarius Tony makes it first and 21, and I'm like, hey, the Chargers, this is right where you uh, need them. I think it's like 10 to 6 at that point, uh, and all of a sudden, you know, they get a decent play. It's second and 12, and then they get the first down, or it gets to third and seven, first down. It's like there are so many chances for L.A. Uh, to stop the Chiefs. And they just couldn't. The Chiefs were 5 of 10 on third down, 50%. That's pretty darn good. Uh, and they were able to kind of go back and forth all night long. Uh, Patrick Mahomes was sensational. 20 of 34, 329 yards, three touchdowns, a QBR of 78. Uh, just great. His average completion was 10 yards, so basically – a first down. He was great. Uh, again, last week I said Patrick Mahomes took over Josh Allen's spot for the MVP. Further punctualized, punctualized last night. He was just terrific. Him and Andy Reid have been great. Uh, you know, in years past, it was a heavy dose of Kelsey and Tyreek. Now it's just a heavy dose of Travis Kelsey. And he always somehow finds a way to get open. And I would love to have a defense other than the Bucks uh, Super Bowl game to where a defense can stop Travis Kelsey. And even that Bucks defense really didn't 
stop Travis Kelsey in some of the yards were in garbage time. But last night, six receptions, 115 yards, three touchdowns for Travis Kelsey, an average uh, yards per reception, 19.2. You need to stop Travis Kelsey. Uh, he's not the fastest guy in the field, but he is smooth. He's slippery. He makes cuts. He's terrific with the ball in his hands. It's uh, I'd rather have the ball in any of the other receivers' hands. Last night, Kadarius Toney went out. There was no McCole Hardman, Juju, which is why it takes the Chargers, because they got their receivers back. And I'd rather have a ball in Watson's hands or Sky Moore's hands than Travis Kelsey. I would. I'd rather one of those guys be open, have them make a play, instead of Travis Kelsey, because he will make the play. Uh, Kansas City, it's now 8-2. and two. It's going to win this AFC West division, a division many people thought, including myself, will be one of the best divisions ever, best division this season. That is not the case. It is the Chiefs in that division, and there is everyone else, as in year, years past. The Chiefs are a great football team, a well-oiled machine, led by Andy Reid, uh, just greatness all around, especially Holmes and Kelsey. Now on to the Chargers. I love Justin Herbert. Watching him play last night, he was better than Patrick Mahomes. Uh, 280 yards, passing two touchdowns, uh, threw an interception uh, last drive of the game, but it wasn't his fault. It was off his back leg. It was tipped around. You know, It wasn't even a clean interception. So I kind of discount that one. Uh, but his QBR was higher than... Uh, Patrick Mahomes with an 82. Herbert was brilliant last night. His, you know, arm talent and what he's able to throw, it's on par with Patrick Mahomes. He is that, he's that good. Uh, I love watching uh, Justin Herbert play, especially with his weapons healthy. Uh, Keenan Allen uh, back yesterday uh, was great. Austin Eckler, Palmer is really stepping up. Uh, DeAndre Carter, great players. A big Spot in the game was Keenan Allen's fumble. That hurt them when they were driving. Uh, but again, can't say enough for how well Justin Herbert is. But I want to make this point because I made it, uh, I believe, a few podcasts ago last week. I talked about, yeah, last Friday after the Packers lost to the Titans. You know, I kind of said that Matt LaFleur is not a great coach. You know, there, I think there's about 16 other coaches I prefer over Matt LaFleur. And, you know, the Packers record would be better. That's exactly how I feel about the Los Angeles Chargers and Brandon Staley. Staley was not the one of the coaches I mentioned I'd take over Matt LaFleur. No, I don't think Brandon Staley is the guy. I am seeing Justin Herbert's talent on his rookie contract wasted before my very eyes. And it's I think it's one of the most frustrating things I'm seeing is really Brandon Staley's uh, incompetence and complacency uh, with this team. And I don't like it. I don't like what I'm seeing uh, from Brandon Staley. Early on in this game, this team was aggressive. They were taking shots downfield. They were targeting this Kansas City pass defense because they know 
it's not good. Uh, and they were able to take the 20 to 13 lead at halftime. Again, taking shots. Justin Herbert was just throwing balls on a string all night long. And then the third quarter happens. And they get complacent. They don't score at all. It gets to 20 to 16. But it's nerve wracking because they're running the football more. It's, you know, yes, there's a fumble involved, but I don't like the play calling. It's not as aggressive in the first half. And guess what? When you're playing Patrick Mahomes in the Chiefs, your play calling has to constantly be aggressive. You can't just sit there and say, I hope our defense, who's not good, I think it's their bottom five in yards a lot. Uh, I think they're the second worst in points right ahead of the Lions. Uh, Isaiah Pacheco ran for 107 yards on them last night. This defense is not good. Yes, their injuries up and down, so you can't use that as an excuse because right now it's just not good and you got to play with what you got. Uh, they needed to continue to be aggressive. I thought, you know, they're up 20 to 13 going into halftime. You get the ball first. You get a touchdown here. You are really making a statement and, you know, keeping aggressive. But they didn't do that, got complacent. And again, I'm tired from what I'm seeing with Brandon Staley. Uh, in just in wasting the talent on this team. It's frustrating because this team can be better than what they've been. Uh, they're five and five, and it's a it's a disappointing five and five because they have a three point loss to the Chiefs yesterday, uh, and that's a game they easily could have won. Before that, they lost six points to the Chargers, or to the, they lost by six points to the Forty Nine ers. Didn't score a point. In the second half there, Brandon Staley, what, what are you doing? Got blown out by the Seahawks by two touchdowns. Uh, didn't even look ready for that game, uh, Brandon Staley. Again, a blowout by the Chargers by 28. Brandon Staley, what are you doing? And then three points uh, to the Chiefs, and I put that one on Herbert because he did throw the pick six. So Brandon Staley's not inspiring any confidence in me for this team. Those same, you know, 15, 16 coaches that I picked over Matt LaFleur, I would do the same thing over Brandon Staley because I don't think he is that great of a coach. And it shows in this division that you need a great coach. If you were to swap Andy Reid and uh, – now I can't – I was saying his name so often, now I can't oh, – Brandon Staley, uh, we'd have the same records. If – the talent on the Chargers roster, very talented team, much like the Chiefs. If you were to put Andy Reid on that team, the Chargers would be 8-2. and two. If you were to put the Chargers, Brandon Staley, on the Chiefs with Patrick Mahomes, maybe 5-5. Five and five. I might give them a tick more because I do like Patrick Mahomes. They might be 6-4. and four. But still, the coach, coach matters of football. Players can't overcome bad coaching. They can do it at times. They can do it in stretches. But it's awfully hard. And I don't think Brandon Staley is the right guy. But in defense, I will sign up for every Chiefs-Chargers game, even if the Chiefs won by three points. Those are classic games. Those go right down to the end. They're fun to watch. Uh, I could watch Chiefs-Chargers uh, 17 times a year. A uh, great game last night by the Chiefs. And, you know, bittersweet one because I picked the Chargers. But, again, great game. Another game I want to highlight. Dallas and Minnesota. And this one, oh, this one felt 
so good to feel right because going into the game yesterday, a lot of people riding high on Minnesota. I said a lot of people out there were drinking the purple Kool-Aid, riding high on Kirk Cousins, and this team is Super Bowl contenders. They're legit, legit, legit. And I said, just wait, Con Artist Kirk will show up. And there was more than one Con Artist on that team. The whole team played like a Con Artist. The Con Artist Vikings showed up as a whole. And my, oh, my, Dallas put a herd on them. 40-3. to It was 23-3 to at halftime. Uh, and really, after the Vikings three points there in the first quarter, Dallas scored 37 unanswered points after that. Uh, they even scored some points there uh, without Dak Prescott in the game in there in the fourth quarter. Last two drives, they were broached 40. So, great win by Dallas. And this is what Minnesota gets. I said, Minnesota is not a great team. Those one-score games, they'll catch up to you. It's not manageable to win all those games. It's just not. And, yeah, it became glaring because when you're down by 23 or by 20 at halftime, uh, it's very hard to come back. Yes, they did it last week. I think they came down by 17 against the Bills. But that was aided by a Josh Allen interception and fumble and then the game feeling interception there in overtime. Uh, Dak didn't give you any of that. He didn't give you any interceptions or fumbles. He played a near-perfect game. And I thought this the real Vikings showed up yesterday. I love seeing the memes, potential spam fraud. I love seeing all that. I just did. Uh, it was great to see because Kirk Cousins is a con artist. He got sacked seven times last night. O-line, Dairy Week, Micah Parsons got after him. Uh, Lawrence, everybody was just getting in on the backfield. Dalvin Cook could not pick up any blocks yesterday. I'm sorry, but he can't pass block to save his life or to save his quarterback. Uh, they didn't even try to get the running game going early in the game when it's 10-13-3. When you know when your offensive line can't pass protect, you got to run the football. We know Dallas just got torched by the Packers running the football last week. And they kind of got away from it, surprising. Uh, Dalvin Cook only 11 carries, and he had 72 yards, 6.5 yards per carry. I would have kept riding Dalvin Cook, but they got away from that early. Very dumb. Kevin O'Connell, a bad mistake there. Uh, Justin Jefferson, non-effective TJ Hawkinson, didn't look good as well. Just a master class by the Dallas Cowboys. And this was great to see Minnesota just crumble back to earth. But now the funny thing is, those same people I watched on ESPN talk about the Vikings and how they're Super Bowl contenders. I don't know how Dallas can stop anything Minnesota does. Listen to it this morning, and it's, uh, oh, Dallas, this team like this. Now they're going to be in the Super Bowl. This is the Super Bowl team. And that's the thing I've got a problem with most uh, people talking about sports. You know, not all of them, but most of them. They're not objective. It's, they overreact to every weekend. I'm not here to overreact. I didn't re- overreact to anything Minnesota's been doing. And I for sure ain't going to overreact to this Dallas one. Was it impressive? Yes. But I am not going to stay here and proclaim Dallas 
as Super Bowl contenders. Great game. I thought Minnesota was potential fraud, and yes, that was a spam call for sure. However, the Dallas Cowboys, I'm not riding high on either. You people can switch from the purple Kool-Aid to the star, but this is a team that other than just beating down the Vikings, Packers came back by 14 points twice to win that game. The Bears ran all over this team. The Eagles kind of beat them down. Tom Brady and the Bucks beat them down. They're only 7-3. and three. This is a team that can be beat. Uh, they still got the Giants Thanksgiving. They can run the football with uh, Zeke. I mean, with Saquon Barkley, my bad. Colts look rejuvenated now. Uh, they got the Jaguars, who's on easy out. They got the Eagles, Titans, who can run the football. And they got the Commanders, streaky Heineke. I'm not sold on the Dallas Cowboys. This is objective, not overreacting to anything that just happened in Minnesota. It's I've been saying Minnesota ain't that great. Hopefully that trend continues. I said if Kirk Cousins was going to go 10-1, and one, I'd give him his flowers. That is obviously not going to be the case. I don't think Dallas is going to go 14-3 and three either. I see them losing some games. Uh, they have a history of disappointing on Thanksgiving. That could be the case as well there. So, again, uh, not overreacting uh, to a lick of this game other than I was right about it, and this is a game that I feel great about being right about. It was uh, that, that was just great stuff right there. Now, moving on uh, to some of the rest of the games. Chicago and Atlanta, very close, tight game there. Atlanta eked it out 27-24. Young Way you know, save the game there, 53-yard field goal there at the end. Uh, just great. Justin Fields, however, did get dinged up, injured his shoulder on the last drive. I hope everything is good with him. It was his non-throwing uh, shoulder. You know, x-rays uh, came back fine. He's not wearing a sling or anything. Or, uh, But we'll see how Fields is because Fields is really – uh, the catalyst of this team right now with what he's able to do, not only throwing the football, but especially with his legs. Uh, he's been on a tear, really, the past four games, five games, playing great football, even though, you know, it's been a four-game losing streak. Uh, individually, I think he's played really well. And they got the Jets coming up. Whereas Atlanta, uh, they're like the cardiac kids. Uh, give me a heart attack every time I watch them. It's always a close game. Don't know what's going to happen, and, you know, they're trying to just stay alive from a division race half a game out right now, so we'll see with them. Uh, you know, coming up, you know, some people think it's going to come down to a wire there. The Bucks falcons last game of the season will be from a division. I don't think so. Falcons will win a good game. They'll lose a game, so not sold on them, but they stay in the hunt for the division, and that's nothing to scoff at. Next, Cleveland and Buffalo. The game moved from Buffalo to Detroit because of the 
I think, 77 inches of snow or 67 inches. One of the, you know, it's a crazy amount of snow there in Buffalo. Uh, so they relocate to Detroit. Uh, Cleveland had them on the heels early. It was 10 to 3. However, they could not extend the lead any more than that. Uh, then Buffalo goes up 28 to 10, 25 unanswered points. Uh, they were able to run the football well. Devin Singletary, 86 yards. This, to me, was balanced. He carried the ball 18 times, and that was really, uh, to me, the key there was the balanced rushing attack. How they had 171 yards on the ground, and Josh Allen threw for 197. I like the balance there. Like I said, Devin Singletary, 86 yards rushing a touchdown. And James Cook matched him 86 yards on the ground for him as well. If they can keep this semblance of a rushing attack up, watch out for Buffalo because if Josh Allen doesn't need to be Superman every single week, this Buffalo team adds another dimension. It just gets a little bit more dangerous moving forward for other teams playing Buffalo like that when a lot got back on the right track after a very disappointing loss last week against the Vikings. Philly and Indianapolis. Philly won this game by one point, 17 to 16. Uh, and Philly was able to do something they couldn't do last week. Uh, they were down 13 to 3 going into the fourth quarter. Last week they were down double digits. They could not complete the comeback over the Commanders. This week, however, they did. They came back and won 17 to 16, scored two touchdowns in the fourth quarter there. Uh, in Indianapolis, could not really get anything going outside of a field goal, whereas I think they had a drop, uh, could have extended to a touchdown, really would have ended uh, the game there uh, for Indy. But Indy, I like how when he's played ever since they got Jeff Saturday, their head coach were playing a little bit more inspired. I know Nick Sirianni yesterday upset about Frank Reich being fired and how great Frank Reich has been, but you've got to admit, Indianapolis is playing better than uh, – uh, what's it called, with just Saturday, then with Frank Reich. Indy was able to run the football against Philly. And Philly, outside of Jalen Hurts, was not really able to run the football. Philly, all bite 9-1, still has some issues. They face the Packers, who can run the football if needed next week. The Titans, uh, it doesn't get any easy for the Eagles coming up. Again, I like what the Colts are doing as well. Coming up, another interesting game. New England and the Jets. Uh, very boring for most of the game. You know, 3-3 three to three, uh, score going in to the fourth quarter. Two field goals made in the second quarter. Windy day, bad weather. Game that favors New England. New England went like 13 straight against the Jets. They made it 14 straight. But in the fourth quarter, with I think 15 seconds left, New York punts the ball expecting to go into overtime. And Marcus Jones has an 84-yard punt return touchdown to win the game. 40, 84 yards. Just terrific. Just terrific uh, punt return there by him. But to only score three points for the Jets, to hold New England to three points offensively, not let them score any touchdowns offensively, uh, but you're not better. New England was able to move the football. Uh, 
Mac Jones had 246 passing yards. Uh, they ran the ball 99 yards. Uh, total yards, they had 297 total yards to the Jets' 103. Uh, Nick Folk did miss a field goal. Uh, they dominated the time of possession, 35 minutes to 25 to the Jets. New England was the better team, so it's good that the better team won. However, most of the blame was put on Zach Wilson. Why? Because he was 9 for 22, 9 completions out of 22 attempts, 77 passing yards, was sacked four times with 33 yards, so he had a net total of 44 yards, a QBR of 24, which was terrible. And after the game, I asked him if, you know, he, if he felt that he let the team down or if the offense let the team down there with the defense only holding him to three points and you couldn't score more than three points. And he took no accountability for his actions. He said that, uh, no, he didn't feel like he let anyone down, kind of deflecting the blame on everyone else. Whereas a rookie wide receiver, Garrett Wilson, was visibly upset afterwards in the locker room, said that, yeah, you know, the loss is on us, the offense, referring to the offense, uh, because we got to play better than that. He thought that the quarterback should have, you know, thrown a ball to him a bit more than his wide receivers, you know, trying to give him more looks, be able to make some plays. And the loss is on Zach Wilson. Robert Sala said the offense played like dog bleep. So, not good for the New York Jets offense last week. And this New York Jets team has really surprised me. Uh, they're 6-4. and four. They've lost uh, two out of their past three, both of those to the Patriots. Good defense. Uh, but to me, I like what Robert Sala is doing. I like how the defense looks right now with Stas Gardner and some of the picks that they've made in the past couple drafts. And this definitely feels like a 49ers defense from when he was there a few years ago. Great defense. Offensive line is, you know, decent. It's manageable. They draft weapons or running back. Of course, their main one down with an ACL. But the main issue is the quarterback. Uh, I think Robert Solid knows that he's not going to publicly bash Zach Wilson. And I kind of think management knows that Zach Wilson is not the guy. And sometimes you miss. A lot of times you miss. They missed on Zach Wilson. Zach Wilson is reminding me of a Baker Mayfield. Uh, both taken very high in the draft. Zach Wilson taken number two. And he doesn't take responsibility, deflects, blames, uh, is cocky, talks a lot, and can't back it up. All things I have a problem with. Fine if you're cocky. And talk as long as the play backs it up. But Zach Wilson is the weakest link on the team. Uh, not the missing link, but the weakest link. If you had any other quarterback on this team, this team would be really good if uh, a serviceable quarterback was on this team. They would be really good. But instead, they don't have a serviceable quarterback. They got Zach Wilson, who's not good. Zach Wilson is 31st in terms of pass yards at 1,279. Baker Mayfield is ahead of him 
and he's missed some games. Didn't even start all of his games. Mac Jones is higher than him. Didn't play all his games, had an injury. Kenny Pickett didn't start for the first few games, has more yards than Zach Wilson. Carson Wentz, who's only appeared in like six games because, you know, he's dealt with an injury, somehow has more yards than him. Cooper Rush is close to him, and he only played a few games. So, uh, Zach Wilson, not impressive. His completion percentage, 55. Uh, that's awful. The QBR of 45 is not good either. So, Zach Wilson is the problem here. Uh, if I'm the Jets, I'm looking at a new quarterback next year, either via free agency, draft something to put some pressure on Zach Wilson because he is not the guy. Rams in New Orleans. Another one I got right, pick New Orleans. Uh, New Orleans, try to keep some playoff hopes alive there. Move to 4-7, and seven, where it is things are just spiraling out of control for Sean McVay and the Rams. Lose yet again. Matthew Stafford looked serviceable yesterday. Uh, 159 yards, two touchdowns, but he exited with a concussion. He's dealt with that in the past few games. Was out last week. Comes back, and then he leaves uh, the game. Uh, tough break for the Rams as well. Nothing, you know, this is, I think, the worst Super Bowl defense in the history of since I've been alive and maybe the history of Super Bowls. A lot of people were still talking about the Rams. I know, not me. I said the Rams aren't going to be that good, and here they are not that good. A lot of people thought... The Rams would be back in the Super Bowl or, you know, at least back in the playoffs winning their division. And they are the worst team in the NFC West. They're that bad. They're a bad team in a bad spot uh, right now. And it just keeps getting worse and worse every week for the Rams. Detroit and New York. The second game I got wrong over the weekend was this game. Right here, the Giants and the Lions. Uh, thought the Giants and Saquon would be able to run. But Detroit somehow has found a defense the past, past few games. Aiden Hutchinson, big interception, a fumble recovery. Uh, he's looked well. They were able to bottle up Saquon. 15 carries for him, only 22 yards, average of a yard and a half. Uh, they were able to lock him down uh, pretty good. Daniel Jones reverted back into the disaster Daniel that we were used to seeing. Of course, you know, they tried to anoint Daniel Jones as great. Saquon gives him the name Danilo Vick. And he reverts to the Daniel Jones I'm used to seeing. Two interceptions, throwing a QBR of 39, 17 incompletions out of a 44 pass attempt yesterday. Didn't look that terrific. Didn't look that Danilo Vick-ish. Whereas Jamal Williams got three touchdowns. DeAndre Swift added another one. Uh, the Detroit Lions just manhandled the New York Giants. And the Detroit Lions, don't look now, are in the playoff hunt, and they are learning to win games. Uh, two road wins in a row for them, a three-game winning streak. And so things are looking good uh, for the Detroit Lions. They are 10th or, you know, uh, game and a half out of the playoffs right now. Big game coming up against the Bills. But after that, I think a lot of winning, uh, winnable games, you know, uh, Bills, Vikings are the only two teams they have left with a winning record, and the Jets, if they play with a winning record, 
Bills are the only one that fear me. Again, Vikings, Jets, uh, toss-ups, and then the rest are easy. So Detroit, don't look now, but playoff conversation potentially, we'll see. Washington, Houston. I thought Washington would win. Some people thought Texans at home could pull off the upset, get a win here. I was not one of those people. Well, Washington convincing win. Uh, they were up 23-3 to before a last-minute touchdown by the Texans, made it 23-10. to Here's another entertaining game. Las Vegas and Denver. The Raiders-Broncos, two teams at the bottom of the AFC West, playing for last place in the bottom of the AFC West. Uh, you know, very tight game, you know, back and forth. Broncos early lead, Nathaniel Hackett getting a play call over to Kubiak, and I thought that was a smart move because uh, Russell Wilson had his best game of a, in a Bronco uniform. But going into the fourth quarter, it was tied 10-10. to Then 16-13 with three and a half minutes left. Derek Carr gets the ball back. They go down and get a field goal to tie the game, and we go in two overtime. Ray Vegas gets the ball to start. They move a the ball downfield. And then Devontae, you know, absolutely cooks, who I thought through 10 weeks had been the best corner in the NFL than Patrick Sertan, PS2, and absolutely cooked him. Double move on him, and, I mean, just sent him uh, completely the other way. Devontae Adams wide open for a touchdown. Uh, he had a couple other catches on PS2. Devontae had seven receptions, 141 yards. Two touchdowns, including that game-winning walk-off touchdown. Afterwards, just went at PS2, said he was too young. He is not there yet into the camera. He even posted on his Instagram today. Devontae, that was classic Devontae Adams. Uh, to me, games like that prove that he's still the best wide receiver in football. Just talent-wise, his release and everything he does, he's the best wide receiver in football. Uh, I wish he'd be more consistent, target Devontae more like they did yesterday, because Devontae Adams is still a very special and talented wide receiver. And it showed yesterday in the Broncos, yet another loss to a very, 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 very disappointing season. And the last NFL game to talk about from yesterday, Cincinnati and the Pittsburgh Steelers. These two teams played very close. Uh, you know, the Bengals were on upset alert going into the uh, third quarter, 20-17 to 17 Pittsburgh. Uh, Joe Burrow throws a touchdown, was sensational yesterday. Pittsburgh gets a field goal, it's 24-23, it's looking close. And then, you know, the Bengals score the next 13 points to go up by 14. And then Najee gets a touchdown there at the end to make it a touchdown game. But Joe Burrow was great yesterday, 24-39, 355 yards with four touchdowns. He played really good. I liked what this team did, even with Joe Mixon going down early. Uh, So Najee P. Ryan, great game receiving. T. Higgins as well. Uh, They found a way to win. Uh, Steelers, Kenny Pickett is improving. He is getting better and better. Uh, You know, was thrown into the fire early there. But don't look now. Uh, I think Kenny Pickett can be a quality starter in the NFL. Not a Justin Herbert, Patrick Mahomes type player, but he can be a quality starter, maybe even uh, talent-wise better 
than Big Ben was. Uh, I think the Steelers are finding a groove uh, there with this team who is very young. I think Mike Tomlin uh, can coach this team. So great win there uh, by the Cincinnati Bengals, and very encouraging to see uh, that Pittsburgh Steelers team. Now let's move on to college football. And what was my least impressive college football pick week? Let's start with the TCU-Baylor game. Very close. Baylor, you know, try to put them on upset alert. It was uh, close, 14-14, 20-14. TCU going into the fourth quarter. Baylor takes the lead 28-20. TCU gets a touchdown, missed a two-point. Baylor, all they have to do is get a couple of first downs, stop a couple of first downs, and then they end the game. They can't do that. Give the ball back to TCU. Max Duggan makes some plays, gets them in the field range, walks it off 29-28. TCU survives by the skin of their teeth there. Uh, But so did Michigan, another team in the top four. You know, dealt with a lot of injuries. Some people didn't play. Rest up for the game against Ohio State. That almost proved costly because they almost lost that game to Illinois. But Jake Moody, three field goals in the fourth quarter uh, to win that game there by two points. Walk-off field goal there at the end. Great win by them. Big loss to Blake Corum. We'll see how healthy he is going into the game against Ohio State. Uh, in a game I'll be talking about the next couple of days, really. The Michigan-Ohio State rivalry in that moving forward. Uh, Kansas State picked a win. They did good. Montana State same. Iowa-Minnesota. This was interesting. I thought Minnesota had just enough offense, but they could not do it against Iowa. It seems like Iowa, you know, terrible offense. I think it's like second, third worst in the all of college football. Have one of the best defenses. And that defense just finds a way uh, to shut down teams Entirely, it's like, hey, offense, if you can score more than 10 points, we'll win. And they do, and they win, and they're on track to win the Big Ten West. It's just craziness over there in Iowa, what Kirk Ferentz does with his defense and this team. You know, not a strong, great overall team, but that defense is very impressive. Ole Miss, what the heck happened to them? You know, a week, you know, after narrowly losing to Alabama, you come back and get slaughtered by Arkansas. Uh, not a good look, uh, Lane Kiffin and Ole Miss. You know, to be, you know, I thought to finish regular season 10-2, a loss to LSU, who's good, a loss to Alabama, that's fine, but a loss to Arkansas hurts the team uh, a lot. And, you know, I, mean, I think chances moving forward as well. But there were two big Pac-12 games, uh, Utah-Oregon. Was one of them. I thought Utah would win, be the more physical team, but Oregon went Bo Nix. Uh, Bo Nix has really turned the corner in the Pac 12 this year, and Oregon has really looked good. And now I want to talk about the game a lot of people have been talking about. That's USC and UCLA. Uh, a lot of people, I think, have overreacted to USC. I thought UCLA would win, uh, but they didn't. Dorian Thompson Robinson, great quarterback, just made. Uh, a few more interceptions, 
than I would like. Uh, I believe he had two or you know, he had three interceptions. Um, and I mean, that's just too much to overcome. And it, when you're scoring a lot of points, the final was 48-45 USC. That's just too much there to overcome uh, by this team. You know, now everybody's saying USC is going to be in the playoffs. Uh, and Caleb Williams is a Heisman front runner now. He's overtaken it. Put him on the ballot, USC in the playoff. I don't see it. I'm not overreacting. I think USC is a very good, solid team. But I'm not overreacting. There's still people saying that, you know, what a turnaround this has been. But, again, Caleb Williams, Jordan Addison, uh, another good wide – they have just great wide receivers across the board. So, this is a Lincoln-Riley team. Good offense, terrible defense. And USC won this game. But I'm not overreacting at all uh, to this game because I did think it was going to be close. I did have UCLA winning. Uh, but, again, not entirely sold on USC. Just not. They lost a physical game to Utah by one point, yes. Uh, almost lost to Oregon State. California gave them a punch. Same with Arizona. So they've shown that this team is not beatable. Don't want to give anything away yet for future picks. Uh, but USC still plays Notre Dame. And to me, Notre Dame is playing their best football right now. So, again, I'm not sold on USC. I'm not drinking the Southern Southern California Kool-Aid quite yet. It was a very impressive win. Caleb Williams has been sensational. Uh, but let's stop. Let's stop saying it. He's better than Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud because that is definitely not the case. Uh, let's put a break on that. Pac-12, it's not the Big Ten East. It's not Ohio State, Michigan. It's not the SEC, Georgia, Alabama. Like Again, I am here as the objective truth teller, and I'm telling you, I'm not sold on USC just Yet they have two of the biggest games of the year yet on the line, USC, and probably against Oregon in the Pac-12 championship. Then another thing I just want to mention, college football, uh, Tennessee's playoff chances have been eliminated, got smoked by South Carolina 63-38. The Tennessee defense was the biggest liability of the season. 606 yards on them. Spencer Rattler, I think like five or six touchdowns. Uh, 438 yards, it was just ter- terrible. But even worse than that was Hendon Hooker tore his ACL in that game uh, there in the beginning of the fourth quarter. Uh, sad to see him, who was, to me, right there in the Heisman race, obviously now with that injury, if Heisman came to the it's probably ruined. The season is now shot for Tennessee, and it's just bad to see who it was such a great story this year, Tennessee and Hendon Hooker. Uh, to see them lose that game, Tennessee lose him, uh, and now them be uh, nine and two and out of uh, conversation for a playoff. So big loss there for Tennessee. That great story has come to a tragic, tragic end. And then now, lastly, I want to talk about one thing in the NBA, and that was yesterday's Grizzlies. Uh, Nets game, uh, it was Kyrie's return 
yesterday. Thought he was lackluster, 14 points, uh, 5 of 12 shooting. Wasn't his best game. Uh, you know, Ben Simmons, it was actually his best game of the season. 22 points, 11 of 13 shooting, 8 assists, or 5 assists, 8 rebounds. Now people are talking about the Nets, uh, Ben Simmons, you know, one good game so far. I'm not going to overreact uh, to that. But I think the biggest storyline is I think the Nets won because uh, Desmond Bain did not play. And Ja Morant is injured, ankle injury. He's out week to week. And now the question I posed earlier with Kyler Murray, I posed the same to Ja. Is, is he injury prone? Last year missed 22 games, missed significant time with a knee injury. Now with an ankle and with his style of play, uh, you can see that uh, kind of his quick start-stop ability, his constantly in the paint with, you know, the bigger bodies of the NBA. Uh, just want to be cautious there. Cautious advice uh, to Ja is, you know, you don't have to be the Superman on this team. Luka Doncic has to be Superman because he's the only player there, but Grizzlies have a good team around Jock, Desmond, Bain, Dylan Brooks, Jaron Jackson, another player who didn't play last night. Uh, but I think Ja has to, you know, work on the overall of his game, the three-point shooting uh, especially, to become more consistent from there. So he doesn't have to go on the rack. Yes, that's where he's most dangerous. He's sort of like a LeBron-esque player where he just drives and can make anything in the paint. Uh but it comes at a cost because he does weigh 70 pounds less than LeBron James. But Ja is such a fascinating, spectacular, highlight, real-level player to watch day in and day out, and I think it is a big loss for this Grizzlies team and for the NBA as a whole when Ja Morant is not playing because he is that uh, sensational on a daily basis. It's, it's, it's every game. He has some highlight play, whether it's a pass, a uh, block, a score, a dunk, uh, whatever the case may be. Uh, ja is one of the best players in the NBA. So this has been Unbothered tonight. 49ers Cardinals, who do you got down there in Mexico City? I'll talk to you all later. Uh, bye, everybody.